everyone. Okay. Welcome to RZ Two Cents. Um, this is our first episode for 2021, and we are very, very excited. Uh, sitting across from me virtually in uh, Shanxi, China, is Roy. It's been about a month and a half, well, a month since we did our last episode. Yes, yes, I think uh, we did it at the end of November of 2020, and uh, we sort of uh, had the December off, and now we are back. And uh, you know, I can't express the enthusiasm <sighs> and how excited I am. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, we we are, we're continue, we're, we're going three years strong now. Uh, I think we started in the October of 2018, and uh, that's when 2019, 2020. Well, we're four years strong, so this is our fourth year uh, of of doing the RZ Two Cents podcast. Mm-hmm. Fourth year? Yeah, we started October oh, of 2018. Third year. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay, I see, I see. I see. Yeah, it's not the fourth year anniversary yet, but we crossed four years. Oh, yeah. yeah, I see. I see. I see. I see. Officially, officially, still in the third year, right? So. Uh, Wow. That's, yes. That's been a while. Yeah. yeah. So we started 2018. That's the year 18. Mm. We'll year 19. Year 2020. Yep. And year 2021. I think we've uh, in the past looking at the past three three years, and uh, we both changed for the better. But the world has changed. Um, well, that's a t- tough to say, right? Yeah. Better or worse? What's your tough rating? To tough to say. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, this is tough to say. And, a dip. And, 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 a yeah, dip. Before it gets so. better. And also, I would say. Um, for for the for our you know OG listeners out there to go back to the very one of the very first episodes or you know at least the earlier I think the top ten talk about the world uh, the one with I think it's called World Citizen and uh, talk about U S China issues stuff like that I think and also the politi- the, the, the the political situation in U S and how polarized it is and I think all those episodes were in early were in early nineteen or late twenty or late twenty eighteen um, the trends that we were discussing definitely um, have gotten um, worse and especially our warring trends so I agree yeah I think um, the world has in in general, I think it's been been to some interesting places, but I I do have to say, uh, you know, my my, my hope for uh, for the future of humanity remains strong, stronger than before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So and uh, yeah, and, and it was yeah. So so today we want to dive into um, the outlook for twenty twenty one since this is the first episode, and so we're basically one year mm-hmm. into the new decade, into the twenty twenties. You know, definitely not a start everybody hoped for, um, um, but. It is, uh, it is in somewhere that we're going, and there are nine years. There are nine years left in this decade, so there's still room for improvement, and uh, there are tons of times on our hand and opportunities ahead. So we want to discuss that, and also before we started on that, since we were summarizing sort of our podcast journey, any thoughts on our journey as far as the podcast? You know, it's been this is the sort of three years in, and this is the fourth calendar year that we've been through this. Um, how are you feeling, Roy? Well, I think the podcast, doing a podcast, I think for both of us, is uh, has mm-hmm. become sort of like a, I see it as a sort of form of exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, going to the gym, but we're mm-hmm. exercising um, well, multiple things here, right? And it, it's also a, you know, a fun way to interact, a fun way to, to communicate with, uh, mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. I think looking back on the earliest episodes, we've. I think it's kind of. We I see that both of us we have changed, but mm-hmm. the fundamental core philosophies hasn't changed that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think we still agree with the ideas we talked about in the mm-hmm. earliest episodes, you know, three years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, we both I think, grown from that point. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting documentary. Of our yes. thoughts, how it has progressed. Yes. That's kind of a yes. part of our original idea, a reason why we started this podcast. Right, it's part of it mm-hmm. is to document, um, you know, how, how our ideas, how our thoughts change. Yes, a yes. form of an interactive diary. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yes. Right? Yes. And, and, and I think um, ever since from the point we started till this point, um, the core values um, did not change. And if not, have gotten strengthened over time. And, you know, we started at 23, 24, now 26, 25, around the you and I. And uh, the, the fundamental core values definitely um, are still there. Um, but how the circumstances around the world changed and uh, the topics definitely um, became more diverse and uh, um, we've discussed more things and, and, and how, and I think the, the interesting part is that um, it, when we look back, it's definitely intriguing to see how we, as just like any other regular human beings, uh, not superior than any other uh, person on the street, um, how we reacted to all kinds of events happening and what our first you know, thoughts as they developed. Like last year, obviously COVID in March, April, mm. we did that, but also, you know, civil yeah. rights movements and Black Lives Matter in mm -hmm. June, we interviewed people, we reacted right away. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, but also there are topics that are sort of the slow paced uh, events that are changing, which are discussed bigger trends that are not as headline grabbing, but as you know, how things are moving and going. And uh, definitely interesting. And it also depends on the stage of our life, right? We, we had episodes that talk about, um, you know, when should, we get, when should people get married, stuff like that, you know? So um, mm. definitely very interesting. I think this will, did hopefully be a lifelong journey and it will be a lifelong uh, progress essay. I'm sure it will be, the topics we discuss will be vastly mm -hmm. different when we're like 40 years old and still doing Aussie Two Cents. Um, yes. However, the values and the cornerstones of what we'll be leaving uh, are, might be, you know, um, there might be no change in that or, 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 or not much change, but events will be so different and uh, um, that's interesting to see how you, you, you have one paradigm shift and you have the other, uh, sort of you think of that as the ecstasy of the the Y is moving, but the X is uh, staying there, and, and, and uh, we, we, we try to hold on to his timeless wisdom. So hopefully, uh, we can create more mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. Mm, yes, hundred yeah. percent. So, so today, uh, yeah. So today, so today uh, uh, what is this discuss on twenty twenty one? That's right. Okay. 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 So, any new trends, new things you are seeing in yeah. our world? Yeah. Sure. So. The, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. so, so, yeah, so we'll get us started with a couple topics, and then we can uh, give, give our thoughts on each. Um, one, um, yeah, global, globalization. I think um, we've talked about this last year. Um, just, just quickly, basically, fireside chat, chat style here. I'm going to fire off my view. Is that I think it's, it's, a, it's a trend that's not going to stop. Mm. It's just being held back, basically, you know, by COVID and, and, and border shutting down and how countries go into protective mode to protect their citizens and, you know, stop the disease from spreading, um, which all makes sense. But as vaccine distribution go out and eventually we'll get back to somewhat of the normal, it'll be different than the old normal, but I think yeah. global travel, especially as leisure travel, like you still want to visit Canada and visit the U.S. and people from, you know, from the U.S. still want to go, go you know, do business over China and people are still going to take that vacation in the Caribbean, people still going to go to Europe in the summer, people still want to take a picture in front of Eiffel Tower, not a Zoom picture in front of Eiffel Tower, not Photoshop themselves to the Eiffel Tower, but actually go to the Eiffel Tower and see it and take a picture of Paris. So I think that's um, largely, in a way, you might even increase that pent-up demand. I'm strictly talking about leisure travel for people to see the world. And uh, especially with the new millennial generation, doesn't matter, I'm talking about millennials everywhere, not just in the US. Um, people have a more experience-driven economy. People are more, just think about this today. How many more people are willing to, let's say, spend a couple nights on Airbnb, take the flight to Europe to do that, even though financially, let's say, they're just right above the, the point they can do it, but it's, a, it's an expense if they're not super rich. The same kind of people, right? 40, 50 years ago, they might be growing up dreaming, want to buy a Rolex or certain fancy clothes or like, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, uh, but these days, people more, care more about an experience-driven economy. Young people are willing to pay for global travel to see the world. I think that desire is strong as uh, I talk to many peers and uh, um, 
that's my conclusion on, on, on that front, in terms of uh, the leisure travel side of globalization and how the world become more connected. Um, and also, uh, another point is that, you know, even during the lockdowns and the pandemics are still ongoing now, the world's gotten flatter. So that's another encouraging sign. Like, variety, you know, of industries that, you know, my friends or, or acquaintances working, I've talked to them, they're like, now they get to meet more um, top CEOs and head of the industry because they're all on Zoom and, and people are video chatting and, and uh, a friend of mine is interested in real estate consulting and another is McKenzie. She's like, well, you never actually get to meet the top person at the firm that she's helping consulting on. It's always her team goes and her boss meets with him. But now everybody has got to hop on a call. So the CEO of that respected company, which is Fortune 500, and you see him on the news all the time. Now he's talking to her and she's got a 15 minute pitch to talk to him instead of, you know, previously they go visit their headquarters and she's waiting downstairs. So, um, the world definitely got more. I think it's you know it's a, one technology is a great equalizer, so it's definitely got a flatter, and 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 now the the forced adoption of digital transformation definitely make it even more flatter, and and uh, so that's a little bit perspective from a, from a business perspective as well. But mainly from a leisure and travel perspective wise, it's definitely turning the more experience driven economy. And people want to travel, and or let's say people in China, they whenever you know um, fires get better overseas, uh, like around the globe, people still have a strong desire to travel abroad. You know. Outside of China to Chukuo to, to visit to do those trials. I think those things could be strong and very, very strong, uh, stronger than our previous Japan generations. Definitely, people these days value uh, only materialistic things less um, than before, certain jewelry, certain watches, certain things like that. I'm saying they will trade that off for a good experience. So, travel. I see. So, so um, when you are observing this change in consumer behavior and demand, yeah. are you strictly talking about the US or around the globe? Around the globe. Around the globe. Um, pe- people in China can't save up enough for. It, young people can't save have enough, especially in the first tier cities for down payment for the house anyway. They're different than our parents. They're not saving that much for their kids' education like our parents. I'm talking about the average middle class people in their 20s. But they want to go travel from like, you know, Wuyi Shi, May 1st holidays, you know, October holiday, they travel all around. They spend more, right? They put one on their credit cards. They And when things open up, they want to go abroad and see things. They, um, that trend is stronger everywhere. Mm. I see, I see, I see. Yeah, they want to go to um, nice places in Greece and take Instagram pictures. Well, I, I think the move from a more materialistic kind of consumers to less materialistic, more experiential consumers, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's definitely a trend. It's mm-hmm. um, But I do see a difference between countries. Mm-hmm. Um, just like how Japan in, in the past was much more materialistic than it is nowadays, at mm-hmm. least from the consumer's perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. Luxury spending, it was Japan was the uh, biggest buyers of luxury items in the past, right? Right. right. Um, but after the, the economic boom and bust, and uh, it, it's um, it has changed. Right. But That's China exactly. nowadays is a one of the biggest luxury market, the biggest mm-hmm. luxury market in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if we're talking about strictly, because uh, since I'm in China, I have a mm-hmm. closer observation of consumers in China. If we mm-hmm. segment out the younger generation, the Z generation Z, like, born mm-hmm. after '95. Mm-hmm. And then we segment out people in uh, Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, these uh, you know, first tier cities. Mm-hmm. Then we have a lot of, we see a very strong move towards uh, the kinds of leisure or experiential spending, mm-hmm. a very strong trend. But mm-hmm. if we, I think if we expand into, let's say, the average or the majority, um, you know, we include other age groups and then tier three, tier four cities, mm-hmm. I still see that... Um, materialistic spending becomes a larger part of it. Not necessarily buying Rolex, right? Rolex is, is not, most people can't afford a Rolex in China, but materialistic kind of uh, driven consumers in tier three, tier four cities, they're not buying Rolex. Like buying p- perhaps an iPhone is kind of buying a Rolex for them, right? So, mm. or buying a Samsung, right? So I think well, well, I'm tier, for those tier two, three, four cities consumers, I still see them as a, quite materialistically driven, but we segment out tier one cities and especially Gen Z, 
that shift towards more personalization, uh, more niche niche culture, more um, experiential is, is very definitely very very clear. Right. And also, I think I say in China. Yeah, but I think in other countries, different story. Right. Mm-hmm. I think those in China that move that moves as well. They spend money to go to Nongjiangle. They spend money to go to to go visit a park. Mm-hmm. They spend money to go see pandas. Right. In Sichuan, they spend yeah. money to um, let's say to go out. Mm-hmm. To, I'm saying an outgoing economy in general. I guess my point being is that more like they would go barbecue like and beer and shao kao da hai with their friends even in tier three, mm. four. I'm saying like, they're not being at mm. home and like say, I'm going to own this piece of, you know, it doesn't have a Rolex, I'm going to own this piece of gold, this piece of stone. That's my happiness. Mm. I think the social mm. aspect of experiential driven economy is here to say, uh, doesn't matter which yeah. social class. Might be a little variation between social classes. I, 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 I think perhaps, I think that's perhaps in China, age plays a, a bigger, is a bigger factor um, because unlike our parents' generation, our generation, we haven't experienced the age where resources, uh, where it's difficult to get resources, right? Uh, our parents experienced, at least when they were younger, yeah, were getting workers, enough yeah. meat, putting enough meat on the table well, is well, difficult. Yeah, right? well, I'm saying the outgoing part, like even the older ones, people love going to in China. That's social elevation. That's experience driven. That might cost nothing. I'm saying, mm. I'm not talking about like mm. things that doesn't cost that much, actually. The bad things in life yeah. are free, you know, like to go to a park, yeah. go to like Jiu Jai Go and stuff like that. I'm saying like the Guangchang people mm. You know, group dancing okay. you know, doesn't matter which tier cities. That's an outgoing experience-driven economy. Those people who are like 65 years old want to. I actually read a bunch of articles saying these older people they want to have a new love again. They want to date. Like they're 65 oh. old. Yeah, like old women dating websites wow. in China. Yeah, wow. Wow. like Lao年人 dating. Oh yeah, um, and, and they are meeting their you know mates through Guangchangwu. <laughs> and, That's and, nice. And, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, isn't that like a progress of, of, of a it will be a market for Tinder for senior citizens. Yeah, that's something like, and, and their main vehicle, I read that one, and the main vehicle for that, or the main tool for that is to uh, organize Wong Chang Wu event. So, you know, they, they, they start dancing together, and they get to know each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, but yeah. On the dance floor, right? Exactly, yeah, you're right. So, so, so each, uh, exactly, well, yeah, I guess a little bit of dance, dance floor than clubbing, but um, nevertheless, you know, you can argue their dance moves might be better than most young people. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so I think there's definitely mm-hmm. variation between social classes. And, uh, yeah. but, yeah, you're right. And also with the spending part, the ha- there's definitely a bigger creation between age groups and different tier cities, especially within China. Or, you know, just, uh, but, but what is the biggest differenti- differentiation between tiers in cities in China or anywhere? It's the wealth level and income level, right? Property versus yeah, wealth. So, 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 so I'm sure that's uh, the same across the globe as well. Um, but I guess, the, nevertheless, the main point is people are, people after this, you know, because this whole COVID-19, well, not the way, 2021, and still dealing with COVID-19, um, and uh, the the brought to people to realize is that the need for us to become social animals are like instinctual for human beings. So I think that's mm. the, the ways might be yeah. different, but but um, I think overall that's going to be uh, a, a trend that's uh, that's going to persist no matter what. And, and this pandemic sort of taught us that lesson. And uh, yeah. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. And, and also, yeah, and, and I guess also uh, the main point I was it, it was focusing on millennials and Gen Z more uh, with, with my opening statement was, was yeah. Um, I think younger people. I think it's, it's, it's an more. interesting observation because mm-hmm. um, when most people talk about, let's say, what well, most older generation talk about Gen Z nowadays, mm-hmm. they see them as being addicted to their phones, right? uh, being mm-hmm. on TikTok all day, playing video games, mm-hmm. watching live streams, yep. living in sort of the digital world, yep. uh, and kind of that jai culture, right? Being stuck at home, ordering yep. takeout, having everything delivered to your doors. <laughs> um, yeah. But you actually observe the opposite. There's a like pent up demand for. Um, tra- leisure traveling. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I see. I see. Well, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At least, and, and also perhaps, enough to say perhaps there, it, these two trends doesn't necessarily have to be like, like a dichotomy, right? No, perhaps they can coexist. Yeah. 
they're not mutually somebody, exclusive. Yeah, somebody in, in, in their twenties can travel and also live in a digital world at the same time, right? Yes, yes, and, and I guess yeah. that's a natural uh, optimist in me. And recently, I read like Charlie Munger said, "If you are a stock investor for your life, you better be optimist." Um, so I guess that's mm-hmm. true. So the optimist part in me is that it's better actually they're more virtual and they're more digitalized. That's better for the humanity for these uh, because what all criticism is okay. If you're on your phone all day, okay. If you are glued to these all these gadgets, you're not social. Therefore, you are not mm-hmm. going to be able to learn. You know yeah. how to interact with people well, right? That's old criticism, yeah. right? Remember, like that started when yeah. we were kids, like ten years, twenty years ago. Okay, and now we become adults who criticize new kids this way, which is kind of uh-huh. ironic, in my opinion, right? So, but uh-huh. then look at it is actually in many ways enables people to socialize better. Okay, this I'm saying with caveat, I'm not still applying to everyone. But I think for the ones who know how to use the tools well, and there are a lot of them, is that if you can work anywhere, so your communication skill, like you can communicate, it's actually harder to communicate via Zoom or like say just a voice call or something. You have to make your points very clear. You have to make your character jump off the screen. You have to make a Zoom presentation, stuff like that. It's harder in many ways, right, than in person, okay? And then, um, so, so, so let's say this couple who do that, they travel to Greece while they're, you know, traveling Europe, and also they're presenting um, to their boss or their partner, you know, business uh, mm-hmm. ventures in the U.S., company in the U.S., let's say. And uh, so they used these digital tools to be able to, to allow them to see more of the world, experience more, fulfill, live a fulfilling life, while also get their job done while they're away because these, these digital tools exist. Mm. So one, I was never a fan of people criticizing the tools themselves. It's all the people who are using them. Guns don't kill people. Kill, people kill people, right? Same thing as computers yeah. don't make and you dumber. Computers can make us so much smarter. Um, yeah, and also you know, when these kids, well, not kids, Gen Z, including myself, I'm year yeah. 95, so I'm part of Gen Z. That last, yeah. that yeah. last. I think you're millennial, though. I think you're millennial, though. Because uh, yeah. I think the official thing is that's called 84 to 96. Uh, 84 to 96. But it's the other day, Gen Z is 95. Yeah. And uh, okay. 95 yeah. is, is, is like uh, so the, um, so the, swing the, the mark. Yeah. So, like, the crossover between millennial and Gen Z. I, good, I yeah. much prefer being the Gen Z group. I want to be younger. In a younger, yeah. in younger there you go. There you uh, go. <laughs> so, um, if we observe what they're doing on their phones, they're, a lot of times they're actually socializing just in a different form. Yes. When they're playing games, they're playing with friends or strangers, yes. or later yes. on they become friends. Yes. When they are doing live stream, they are com- uh, commenting, they are interacting with a live streamer. Right? Yes. When yes. they are... Uh, on their TikTok, they they share videos with friends. They're commenting, they are sharing things with each other. So 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 it's it's socializing just in a different form. Yes, yes, exactly. So for the it's easy for for old people to criticize that and who don't understand it because because, actually, because they just they don't they don't use it so they don't understand uh, yes. how that could be a form of socializing. Yes, uh, right. even even the re- reason the uh, very very um. Uh, pop very hot right? it's very famous or infamous IPO of Pop Mart. Mm-hmm. It's it's in China. It's one of these how to put this in English, uh, okay. art toys, mm-hmm. right? It's it's basically a retail store for art toys. A lot yeah. of young people they buy these toys that cost really uh, really overpriced toys with no. It, it isn't like Disney toys, right? With uh, with story behind it. It's just cute looking toys that's uh, cost really really high. Yeah. And um, some of them, you know, some of them say they buy these because they allow them to have. Uh, common topics to converse with their with their peers, right? Or to to join a certain subculture or niche groups. So it's actually a lot of them buying these toys for the purpose of socializing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and, and for people who don't use them, it's easy to criticize them. But actually, they're using. Them yeah, it's easy to say that they're just being brainwashed by consumerism, <laughs> buying these toys, overpriced toys. Right? Yeah. So so um, that that part you summarized my point so well. Is that you know, our, um, I don't think human nature of being with each other change. Like, 
just a fork, the mm-hmm. tools and the forms we can And if we go mm-hmm. larger ways, it's really, really for the better. I can't, there are many friends um, that I haven't seen for a while, but we keep in touch, right? Um, mm-hmm. You and I actually are on medium range. There's friends I haven't seen for two, three years. You and I haven't seen each other for like about, right about mm-hmm. a year, less than 12 months. But you can less than 12 months. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you can keep in touch that way, right? And yep. the obviously, yep. you prefer to be better in person um, more often, but uh, it's definitely doable. But if you move a couple, you know, decades ago, like if you want to have to write letters to each other, there's no way we're going to continue about podcasts. This way, there's no podcast, and um, we have to basically, you know, um, write letters to say, you know, Ruo Yishong, Jianxing Hao, you know, and how are you doing, right? That's basically, um, people still manage to stay in touch with that, but it's much harder. So I think, in many ways, the tools are enabling us to be better. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so, so that, that is the number one trend. I guess the first topic that we're talking about is the, um, I think globalization will, will work with this. And uh, as far, especially for younger people who want to see each other. And I think eventually that, that makes the world uh, more globalized because people have more understanding towards each other. Even though it seems hard these days, I know it's, it, it seems like a controlling take, but I have um, a lot of faith in humanity. But I think between people, it's actually not that polarized. Um, when they meet, like, like let's say, you know, what, what, let's say what, when the well, U.S. Uh, when mm-hmm. meet, like, a Chinese, like, they don't really, um, they have, might have certain assumptions stuff like that, or, or when we meet at someone from Sudan, you know, but when you get to know that person, let's say you get to know, let's say his name is David from Sudan, then all your, or Nigeria, then all your assumptions, you might still have assumptions regarding a country, but if he becomes your friend, he's your friend, and uh, you don't have anything towards that friend anymore, then because knowing him, I'm saying because the move, increased movement, uh, you know, after COVID, I'm saying COVID, uh, people, if, if what I said, you know, turns out to be true, that's an assumption, but, you know, if that assumption turns out to be true, people get to travel, okay? People are more into an experience-driven economy. Therefore, random people meet each other more, right? So, you know, people, there's more, there's yeah. a higher probability yeah. from a scientific point of view, there's a higher probability these days for someone who's born in Nigeria meet someone who's born in Canada. Then if the, that probability has yeah. that increase, 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 then the world know each other better, even though there might still be disputes, but... Um, among the people, it's better. I mean, there's, there's, you know, all, there will always be bureaucracy between governments, stuff like that. But between people, there yeah. will be um, more understanding. And uh, I think that's where we're going. It's going to take a long, long time. But I think technology enabling that, not only software technology, right? we're talking about unique gadgets and phones and Zoom and stuff like that, but also, you know, aviation. Uh, flights getting cheaper and cheaper, right? So, mm. uh, or, yeah. a, or a technology enabled platform like communication. Yeah, or, yeah, or technology enabled platform like Airbnb which never yeah. thought about before. Yeah. Before, if there's no man that doesn't build a hotel there and Hilton doesn't build a hotel there, Hyatt doesn't build a hotel there, you can't stay there in the country. But now you can go to Nigeria, well, Airbnb can verify the place is safe and all that, and you can stay yeah. at that, some of these places. So I think all these things will help the world um, understand each other better. And um, at the end of the day, we're the same species as we should. Yeah, I think in the super long-term horizon, right. uh, super long-term meaning you know, two, three hundred, four, five hundred years, um, right. I don't, yeah, I see as like as you said, globalization accelerating, and uh, technology is a big driver. Uh, but I think in the short, medium term, um, other factors like politics could get in the way. We could we could have small dips uh, during this long term, super long term trend of um, globalization accelerating. Right, but I see pol- polarizing that's... polarizing views politically or ideologically, mm-hmm. uh, and politics. Could get in the way of that. Yeah, but I think that's always the situation of, of the media, though. Just because there's a extreme groups, people think everybody's actually most people. You know, like when you meet them, I mean, we met people uh, during vacation in Hawaii on the on, you know on the cruise and like you know like from different parts of the states, Asians, there's white, there's like when you talk to people, most people actually very modern, very centrist. Most people have some right wing points, most people have left wing points. So my point is, like, because the oversensation of the headline, we think there's a lot of extremists out there, but. The real number is much, much less. I think for people, this is the part that I'll just, you know, 
um, who people only swipe their phones all day and see the headline, they're like, oh my God, the world is such a bad place. So actually, I mean, most people, you know, and I meet a lot of women people I talk to, I talk to Uber drivers, talk to you know, people at a hotel, front desk, and, 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 and random you know, people on cruise, anywhere. It doesn't matter the social class I talk to them. Um, it's less of that. People tend to express, and also more extreme people tend to express, you know, crazy views on the internet more often. I guess that's also another time. But I'm saying, well, spoken. Yeah, yeah. Also, to answer that 200, year question, no doubt, definitely, um, in that time frame, I'm even more confident. But even, let's say, in mm-hmm. our lifetime, right? One is that I think 10 years short-term thinking, I was just talking to a friend recently um, regarding investment. I said, because we're so young. And if we live a long and healthy life, 10 years is, is a blink. Um, and uh, uh, we should really think about what happened in 2069, which I'll be right around 75 years old. And I still probably have 25 years more to live if I do everything right and have uh, life change. Mm-hmm. Um, and 2069 is quite a long time from 2021. So one. <laughs> and second, I think people forget about the, you know, which I deal with often, but even in my industry, people forget about that sometimes. The eighth wonder, the eighth miracle of the world, which is compound interest. Things really have exponential growth. Things are not linear. So the next six years, let's say, might have some, you know, you, you call, if we can quantify that, call it 3% increase in population, blah, blah, blah. By 20, or a dip, let's say, between. And so let's, we can call last year and, you know, definitely dip. And maybe this year as well. But by 2027, if when things compound, you know, like the growth exponential, where if you put $10,000 in your investment, it, the, the company goes well, right? At early stages, they double mm-hmm. to 20,000. 20,000 only grows, doesn't grow as fast as 50%. Okay? If 30,000, 33%, it's 40,000. 40,000 only grows slower now. 25% a year only growing. 50,000, 50,000, 20% a year at 60,000. But 60,000 versus you never put any new money in, right? Versus 10,000, you 600, you know, you have 600% gain, you six times your money. So I'm saying the population might be similar in a way where the compounding effects are really, really gaining traction. Like the education system around the world is getting more similar. People have access to information more here. The world's getting more flattened. And uh, people nowadays can on their tablets see how, you know, which other, like if there's a right somewhere, people can see it. If there's a problem, this country, that stuff. And also currency, well, that's a whole other topic. We might do that later. But currency is getting more, you know, global where you can access your wallets, crypto wallets anywhere in the world, stuff like that. So um, I think yeah. it, it might be shorter than we think in terms of 200, 300 years. I'm pretty, um, yeah. I guess, I'm I mean, I mean that. in terms of, if we talk about the impact of technology, it's definitely yeah. very, well, I would say on large part, technology's impact on globalization is that it pushes, accelerates globalization, like you said. Yeah. But I, I, but I, on the topic of uh, if if the world is becoming more polarized, um, yes, there are still, I think most people are moderates, but I think if we look at the trend, where we are going and where we were in the past, at Mm -hmm. least in the United States, um, there are less moderates now compared to, let's say, 20 years ago. And the trend is that we are that's accelerating true. towards a kind of United States that's much more, at least politically polarized in that's the future, mm-hmm. perhaps. Perhaps mm-hmm. with Joe Biden being elected, it could put a, a positive stop to this accelerating trend, depending on what he's going to do in the next four or eight years. But yeah. at least judging from now, compared to Obama years, compared to Bush years, the United States has become more polarized, right? Yes. Be it, that's politically. But uh, in terms of income distribution, you talk many, uh, a lot about this topic yeah. before, mm-hmm. it's also becoming more polarized. And globalization plays a part of, plays a role in that, right? Yes. So I think just like uh, how we have, you know, a small downturns sometimes, economic downturns roughly every 10 years, in the medium term, we have a, could have downturns in terms of, uh, be it globalization or other things. Uh, for example, I think before the 1930s, 1940s, the world was becoming more interconnected. 
right? Mm. The invention of a lot of communication technologies, telephone, electricity, uh, railroads, things, these things were invented uh, after, the, after the Civil War in the United States and before the 1930s. So between the Civil War and the 1930s, the world was becoming more interconnected with all these great technologies like railroads, uh, electricity, telephones, all these technologies that last till today, right? On, in that part, on the longer trend, longer horizon, we've been more inter- we've been getting more and more interconnected. But during World War One, World War Two, I would say that was a huge dip in terms of be it globalization or how connected, how understanding the world is with each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. Right. That was like a low point. But then I think in the long term trend, mm-hmm. it's one way up. Right? Yes. But I think yes. we could have in the future, let's say next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we have another dip like that. But then yes. after that dip, it will be keep rising, keep accelerating. Yes, that part I totally agree. And I think, so we speak about the optimistic part of me. Here's the um, not so optimistic or pessimistic part of me, okay? Mm-hmm. And I, and that point, you will see that so aligned with what you just said. If mm-hmm. that next 30 years is a dip, and you said longer term the trend is up, and our lifetime is yeah. basically a small, a small part of that, we could experience, majority of our lifetime, we could experience the dip wholly, you know? And then by, we go, by the mm-hmm. time we get to 70, finally, it's back to that trend line. Totally agree. So Perhaps. that dip, mm-hmm. I think the worst case scenario, so here's the pessimistic part of me, and the most bearish scenario of that, mm-hmm. of the, for the world, there's only one war waiting to be happened. And I, I think the future, the odds are, it's a, you know, normal, use the normal distribution model. It's, you know, it's definitely not certain, right? But it's not, um, zero percent or a hundred percent nothing's ever like that because human being we can control mm-hmm. the result not maybe you and i or average joe's but i'm saying you know certain people at certain places especially governments can control the results um and, and people will powerful people in private sector as well but the the bearish scenario or the pessimistic or the pessimistic scenario is that during that dip it will reach a bottom the lowest point of that dip the, capitul- the capitulation point will be a war between the number one economy in the world versus the number two economy in the world and we already know who they are because yeah. these two happen to be, from an ideology standpoint, you know, in terms of each entire ideology standpoint, they're so vastly different. And uh, yeah. that comes to a sort of the final world war between human beings. You know, then as, as, as that's happening, we already have hope of becoming a multi-planet species. You know, let's talk about that and doing it uh, amazingly. Um, and, 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 and at some point, I think in our lifetime, we'll meet aliens and stuff like that. And we'll become a, uh, more of a, you know, a, a part of the solar system and with other uh, species and stuff like that. That's all could happen. And again, those are odds mm-hmm. and probabilities as well from a normal distribution yeah. model. But that dip, the worst case scenario is that we're going to have a, a pretty massive war between those two. And... It will end at some point. There'll be huge casualties, um, and then we'll yeah. move on from that. So that, I guess that's the that's the pessimistic side of it. Because I look at all the all the other continents, right? Uh, Europe is done with war. Like I would put the odds of Europe having like France, England, Germany have another war against each other. The odds is less than five percent. I really put that for the next like hundred or you know foreseeable future because they've done so much of that already, right? In the past thousand years. So I think mm. war between Europe and America unlikely. A war between Japan and America, well, unlikely. That has happened. So yeah. I think the biggest part of it, or, and war between, let's say, um, China and Japan again, very unlikely. A war between Australia uh, and New Zealand and with Canada are tagging the UK. Here's, here's something, yeah. though. If, yeah. if, let's say, US and China gets into war, do you think it will be just two countries or two alliances? Two parties no, no, I mean, two, alliances. I'm two alliances. Yeah, that's why I'm giving all okay. those many examples saying Australia will never attack Canada. Canada's not going to attack the UK. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I'm saying no. in previous times that happens a lot though. Like England attacked France for a thousand years, for a hundred years, and Germany, oh, yeah. yeah, attacked yeah. everybody. Like you know, a hundred less than a hundred years ago. So I'm saying previously the the alliances are not as strong. Like Germany could just flip like tomorrow. I'm saying if we live like a hundred years ago, right? They could flip tomorrow yeah. and just start attacking France. But now I think these things are uh, on the lower end, of, on the lower probability end of the spectrum. But only part that's yeah, well, the Western worlds are pretty right. more likely to be united. 
Right. And, and, and even like Russia's risk has, has, has decreased a lot as well. Like, you know, yeah. I, I don't hardly ever see a war between Angela Merkel and Vladimir Putin, even though you don't see eye to eye. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, hardly ever see a, yeah. like an actual mass destruction war between um, mm-hmm. EU and fight, and fight Russia, right? Even though, you know, they, they, they scream a lot at each other, but that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. No. And I both know that. Yeah. So, so I think the only variable factor, which is the biggest one, is US and China. And where's that conclusion yeah. point? Geologically, okay. Now we're talking wars, and you know we went from an optimistic point of view to pessimism, which is important because I've discussed yeah. it with, with many friends for the past three months. I spent, I think, at least about fifty hours on this issue. So where is that geolo- uh-huh. from a geological standpoint? Where is that conclusion point? Taiwan, China, South China yeah. Sea. That's it. That's well, it. Well, any any issues dealing with sovereignty with that's China? It. That's the yeah. red line. I think I think it's going to be the island of Taiwan, and uh, um, it would be very idiotic, okay, for for either to start. But um, the hunch yeah. is uh, China will probably start first, try to take over Taiwan. Um, and, and, and that would not sit well. And uh, hopefully China realizes its, its economy is pretty weak and uh, at the moment and, and don't do that. I think the current leaders, okay, oh. this is, you know, I'm coming out on the, on the political leadership, but I think the current leaders are not doing that. So that's a wise move. But um, I've talked to many, many, um, uh, let's say, CEOs of private companies or, or fund managers or just people, uh, some people older than me, much older, like people born in the 1960s, people who are establishing their careers, just, you know, basically the best brain power I've, I've got on this issue. I've consulted basically all of them for the past couple of months on that Taiwan mm-hmm. issue, okay? The results, the answers are pretty, equivalently the same. If China does that, country goes down. Like, go, go just simply, the, the, the economy can't support that war. It was a full-on war with the US. So, um, yes. that, we hope that doesn't happen. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I think, at, if, no matter if we're looking at war between two countries or conflict between two individuals, yeah. I think when the level of power, perceived power, is very drastically different, Usually we wouldn't see a conflict because right now, let's say, no matter militarily or economically speaking, U.S. is still more powerful than China. Yeah. So in the current state, if China, let's say this year or next year, China start a war with Taiwan and the U.S. gets involved, it's very disadvantaged. It's a huge disadvantage for China. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. But when, if, when, one day, because it doesn't happen because both parties clearly understand that one party is stronger than the other. So yeah. it would be very stupid for the weaker one to attack the stronger one, to get involved in conflict with the stronger one. It's stupid. It's yep. suicide. Yep. But when China in the future, let's hypothetically speaking, one day becomes just as powerful or mm-hmm. equally equally powerful as the U.S. Now, in that situation, when China, it's, I think it's more likely that China will start something because yeah. it's perceived that China doesn't know if it's you know, China or U.S. going to win out. At this yep. point, I think everybody knows that it's yep. not good for China to start. That's, the U.S. Yeah. is still more powerful. Yes, right? but that's why this risk when is China lower now. Equally powerful. Yep. Yes, right. it's very low now. Yep. I don't think it's. I think I don't think anything would happen in the recent five, maybe even ten years. Hopefully, not. But that's, what, that's my hope. Yep. Hopefully yep. not. In yep. longer term issue, I think that's that's a big question mark. When China yeah. becomes equally yeah. powerful, when, when China becomes as as China gets stronger, that risk increases. That's what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, definitely, that's, definitely. that's linearly increasing as China. Went on but either way, that's definitely a, pro, um, a positive correlation there. As China gets stronger, and that might happen, especially um, with the economy and, and, and its military power, and, and that risk increases. Or U.S. gets dramatically weaker or something like that. Or Taiwan does something crazy. Yeah. So that's why I hope that's not something yeah. like a case where Taiwan does something crazy. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. It's very hard. One more comment. It's very hard, actually, for China to get stronger without getting more like the West. This is my, this is, I've thought about this a lot. And I can be wrong on this. And we're young. And, you know, we're okay to be young. Because uh-huh. the private sector is struggling. The best entrepreneur uh-huh. is in prison. Like, are you kidding me? Uh-huh. Like, this is, um, yeah. the Gucci is like, you know, nationalized taking over and, and, and we're going uh-huh. backwards in terms of a more planet, you know, economy, versus 市场经济, 
And look at wh- which city in the China does the best, which region, Shenzhen. That part has done Gaiga Kaifang the most, the opening the most, the, the most followed in Xiaoping that succeeded the most. Which part done the worst, right? Like Dongbei, you know, the north and eastern region of China. That's all national owned companies and almost no private sector. So if China wants to grow its uh, you know, economic future, which I think, by the way, it's a critical point. So uh, I'm glad this is on iTunes and, and you know, in the US. Is, yeah. uh, the yeah. point is, <laughs> is that, uh, I, and the same conclusion I've talked to a lot of people, is that, uh, and again, we can all be wrong. But these are sophisticated, you know, people who is deeper understanding the economy than me. Uh, we've discussed this numerous times. Is that it's just simple to say in Chinese? I guess you know, if um, there's going to be a huge bottleneck if we don't continue the the the, the, op- the make the com- make the country's economy more market economy. Okay, which is not the direction they're going mm-hmm. right now. Then it's going to weaken itself, um, and then you know, basically the you know, CCP and, and the current government will enter some trouble. But if they do more of that, it hurts their own um, sort of agenda and incentive um, in many ways. So they're kind of stuck. Um, and we don't know where it's going. Obviously, for the people, I hope it goes to the way where it opens up more, does more market economy things, especially encourage more uh, private enterprises and uh, instead of nationalize everything. But we'll see how that goes. Um, there are certain sectors that are, that are I guess, they're, they're encouraging that. But um, we'll see. We'll really see how that goes. And, and, and again, and also, just I learned a fresh perspective because mainly, you know, um, you and I are sort of similar in this way. Like many of our friends are in Shanghai, Beijing, or Shenzhen, especially I grew up in Shenzhen, where most of my friends are at the market economy places. And they're, they're you know, they're doing market, you know, uh, free market economy things in many ways. But once I get to know someone significant from, like, you know, Dongsanshan, northeastern part of China. Once I get to someone who knows, like, you know, uh, Xi'an well. Once I get to know someone who, who knows the uh, southern east region well. Once I get to know someone from the middle of the country in China. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, there's no growth. There hasn't been any growth since the last things like 2008. You know, people mm-hmm. all moved to those cities. And uh, what's left here is not doing that well. So um, I think, yeah, anyway. So, so I think China needs to grow its mm-hmm. economy. And, and, and you're right, though. As, that's the funny dynamic. As, as If the economy grows really strong and the country gets better over the next 20 years, then risk increases. If the ideology doesn't change or the, or the government uh, yeah. idea doesn't change, that increases. So, But I think for the people, obviously I hope the economy to do better. But I think the only way for yeah. them to, to do better is to become more of a free market economy. Um, yes, yes, yes. I, I think so, too. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I think, especially for China, for the leaders in China, I think, um, especially during tougher times, times of uncertainty, like uh, since 2018, I think for China mm-hmm. till now, I would describe as times of higher uncertainty and uh, tough times compared yeah. to the past, right? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, tough, tough first times, tough first times. So yep. I think especially during times of toughness and uncertainty, uh, we tend to see that leaders in China tighten the grips on the country, uh, more control, more state mm-hmm. control, more state influence. But I hope, when things do get better with less uncertainty, that grip will be loosened again. And we'll see more opening up, more welcome of free market economy. Hopefully, yeah. this current yeah. thing we're seeing is only a dip, a, uh, a small hurdle that we can yeah. get over. Yeah. And everything because will get remember, back to... Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because remember yeah. what Deng Xiaoping said, right? And that's in Shenzhen's Lianhua Shan Park. And says right there, I think we're like four years in. I think officially, uh, Chinese state media at least repeatedly say that no opening up is still open up and reform mm-hmm. that's still the uh, what we're trying to promote here mm-hmm. i think they're doing that with uh, the financial market this year right mm-hmm. um but like you said we also see a different side of the story in some of the private sectors with mm-hmm. the handle uh, how they handle a lot of these situations um yeah so i hope it's something we can get over yeah 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 when the situation gets better hope yeah. it's a short-term thing 
Yep, yep, yep. So and and, and but well, yeah. So let, let's hope that happens. Mm-hmm. And also when that happens, like you said, the uh, <laughs> the the risk does increase with it with Taiwan, and we'll see how that goes. So yeah, that's our second point. Yeah. I guess, um, topic on on, mm-hmm. on the potential. Well, the first one, deglobalization. The second one, we were talking about um, the potential changes with how uh, you know life dynamic change and uh, the takeaway. I guess the, the, the most pessimistic point, which both you and I agree, is uh, if a war, a war at this, at this point, it's, yeah, it's never inevitable, but it's there's always an odds happen. So and yeah, I, I hope. That doesn't happen, you know. A hot yeah. war, at least, doesn't happen. Yeah, because, there will be other conflicts in other forms, but I do hope that a hot war doesn't break up. Yeah, because that's yeah. the you know, the greatest tra- casualty will always be the regular innocent people. Um, exactly. Fighting for a concept exactly. which I personally don't see exist. That concept is the concept of the nation. I think we're all one species. Um, that's all work on feed everybody. Yeah, it's all working I mean, on becoming a multi-planet species. It's all working on healthcare problems, soft cancer. There's no reason to fight over it. You are what uh, a lot of Trump supporters would call globalists. <laughs> yeah, I am. Right. I am uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm a species. Yeah, if there's a war, if there's yeah, a war between yeah, cats and human, I'll take human. <laughs> but, uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think human, the concept yeah. works. But, you know, or Earth, you know, I'm an Earthist. Yeah. You know, like if there's a war between those those are those people from uh, Mars that, that Elon's army on Mars attacking Earth, I'll fight for Earth. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well. Well. Yeah. We we humans like to believe in different stories, right? Religion is one kind. People used to kill for religion, but now a nation has taken over as a new story. People believing. Yeah. So just how we see religion nowadays, I think in the future generation looking past, um, they will see how guess I guess sometimes illogical people yes. can be with these stories that they believe in. Look yes. at what happened in uh, Capitol Hill this mm-hmm. week, uh, last Crazy. week. Last right? week. Crazy. Yeah, last week. Never so. has happened before. Hopefully never again. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Worried about that though. Yeah, it's an... Um, I think perhaps we'll see more more conflict like that internally in, in the US. That's possible, I think. So. I, think. I think so. Yeah, it's possible. Also, I do think there's a huge dichotomy between uh, um, the way US handles this and China handles it though. I think because China spends so much huh? trillions of, I think there's a huge difference between how U.S. I do have to address the point. Oh, I think there's a huge okay. difference between how U.S. handles that. You talk about the capital riot versus how China handles. Okay. That. So okay, because um, China spends billions of dollars every year, like Xi on Weiwen. Yeah. Doesn't mean there yeah. isn't any complaints from people to the government, especially yeah. for sixty percent of the country who still don't live in a city yet, like Nongchuanrenkou, Feichengshirenkou. There's Qi of them. Yeah. The average income for those people are four thousand RMB per year. Okay. Mm. So. There isn't like there's tons of Shangjing, Gaozhuang Fang, where there's tons of um, at least unease with their perspective, local government officials or government in general, uh, or towards each other. Okay, mm-hmm. and with yeah, that's just get weiwen, you know, that just get yeah. Um, there's a there's yeah. a things that look peaceful doesn't mean it's peace underneath. You know what I mean? Like just like water. Yes. So I do yeah. think there's a huge dichotomy between that, that where. Um, I think the U.S. the overpolarization of like the political stuff and it's getting polarized and like like we just said we hope what happened last week doesn't happen again but there's a likelihood that happens so that's definitely mm-hmm. not a good thing and there's definitely um, animosity between ex- at least the extreme mm-hmm. sides of people even though most of them are moderate but the extreme sides are getting more and more there's more and more population growth follow to the extreme and there's more uh, anger to each other um, and uh, mm. let's say you know a, a potential at least culturally civil war things like that it's not off the books so that odds exist. But however, I think in China, um, I think the water isn't as smooth as it looks uh, from the outside. Let me just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Because there's billions yeah. on Weiwen every year. Yeah. 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 True. 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 So that's the the the, the realist order passing through me. Like I, you know, things to look to be peaceful doesn't mean it is. Yeah. 
yes, yes, yes. So, um, that's yeah. that. And um, yeah, and, and so the second, that's interesting. So how about let's wrap it up third. Um, what are some of the things that, this can be very random. Um, you can answer from your side and I'll ask some of my insights. What are some of the things that mm, you think that's going to happen? doesn't matter if it's within one year, let's say 2021, or I'll look, let's say the next 10 years or longer than that. Um, what are some things that are overlooked? That Andre, so we'll talk about globalization, the optimistic part. We talk about the pessimistic side of potential conflicts, things like that between countries or within countries, right? Um, what are something that like you just think a trend or, or, or a thing or a or you know cat as the overtake dog as the number one pet or whatever you know whatever thing, it's big or small? That's people don't talk about it often. It's not headline driven. There's no algorithm pushing that out, and it's not a common topic even between us young people or older or any generation, right? Because those things we talk about are very often talked about topics. What are some things that you notice? You think it has a high probability of becoming true, but it's very overlooked. Hmm. Yeah, you can give. We can well, take well, actually, I think that people tend to oftentimes overlook things that are mm, really long-term. Mm. Yeah, people tend to look at the immediate future mm-hmm. or things that are happening now. Yep. Uh, no matter if we're talking about in terms of individually yep. or as a group of people, as an industry mm-hmm. or as a nation, right? So mm-hmm. I think, actually, I think anytime we talk about something that's uh, in the very long term, people don't... <laughs> pay attention to that as often mm-hmm. as they pay attention to things that are immediate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually think what we talked about isn't something that um, generally acknowledged enough yeah. mm-hmm. because we tend to take for granted mm-hmm. our own experience so, and then we... Can you pause? There's somebody knocking okay. on the door. Okay. Okay. Is it, is it possible? Can you just pause? Just degrees on what? Ringing my doorbell. Hello? I'm doing a podcast, but yeah, hello. You know, this is a toilet while now. How do you go back early? Huh? Happy yeah. Happy yeah. Happy Oh, not talked about often enough. It's yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so you think they're not that overlooked? Yeah. No, I, I'm saying they are overlooked. Oh, okay, okay. So they are overlooked. Yeah. yeah. But so so they're not that um mainstream. Yeah, I see. Makes sense. Well, they don't they don't they don't they're not uh, they don't get enough attention because I think the natural tendency is people yeah. unconsciously we assume that whatever we have lived our life for the past let's say 20, 30 years. Can repeat. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's going to continue forever into the future. Our state is just like how mm, post, let's say, a war, people assume that there's going to be more. People mm-hmm. don't expect prosper- prosper- uh, prosperity, uh, mm-hmm. po- prosperity after a war, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. happens. I especially out, like, an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But now we've had pos- sorry, posterity, prosperity. My God, my English has really declined dramatically. Um, in the past, we expect that to continue in, into the future forever. Yes. Uh, we don't expect black swan events like the COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, um, I guess that's, that's like a pessimistic opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anything is going. Anything pessimistic is going to happen. Uh, uh, big no, things I, are going to happen in the recent five years, yeah, uh, I ten years. And, or even. And, and I think you're right, especially on the because we made two basically two two points earlier, right? 
on the pessimism or they see the trend of experience-driven economy for all kinds of people, especially younger generation. Second was the yeah. um, potential globalization with that might bring, and uh, the, the, I guess uh, you were saying yeah. I agree with the, we might take a dip in terms of hitting the bottom, yeah. the bottom might be a war. And I think that war point is very overlooked. It's very not mainstream at the moment. I don't think most people, let's say, call that normal distribution, like, you know, out of 6.5 billion people on Earth, I don't think most of them think about Taiwan. You know, but I think I think about Taiwan like almost every day. There might be a bias there. Or, or when they think about Taiwan, they think about yeah. the immediate future, if it's yeah. going to happen. Right, right, Versus, right. you know, 10, 20, 20, 30 years, what's right. going to happen? Right, exactly. How's going to transpire? Right, exactly. But, right. but I'm, I am the, I belong to that role just three months ago. And, but for the past three mm. months, that's been my main focus um, of mm. wake up every day, go to sleep every day. I think about Taiwan, I just look at what's going on. I see, I check the map, mm. any movement on there, you know, because I could have to, mm. especially in what I do, there's risk prevention that if there's anything I can't want, I'm out, you know, I'm out of everything. So, 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 that's, I totally agree with you. That's, it's very, very overlooked at the moment. People don't think about that one. Um, and especially for that. Mm. So, and interesting. Okay. So yeah, I guess, I guess these are, those are things that overlook. So, um, that's one from your side. Anything, I, anything you think is overlooked? Yeah. I think, uh, as far as, uh, um, how businesses change and what kind of industries we're focusing on. Okay, so if you look at okay. whether either the markets or people talk about, or the, the government in China, especially because government, again, like I said, it's a nationalized economy and people talk, and the government has direction of which industry people should focus on, right? Clearly, electric vehicle space went from two years ago to being overlooked, now being yeah. heavily, heavily emphasized mainstream. So that leads yeah. to sustainable energy transformation. That leads to um, a huge focus now. I would say it's pretty mainstream. Talk, people talk about wind, solar, um, energy transformation. People talk about uh, the demise for oil or at least less use of it, right? And due to price increase, used to be sort of, you know, um, a weird or overlooked area, but now it's definitely more mainstream. The blockchain space is mainstream. And uh, after pandemic, right, after the virus attack from COVID-19 starting last year, now people focus more on biotech, more on genomics, more on how um, can we uh, solve a lot of healthcare problems and a lot of diseases, especially mainly from a, a gene editing and, and gene sequencing perspective on how can we solve the, uh, the root of these problems. And also, obviously, um, virus prevention, antibodies, and vaccine, things like that. So biotech is hot as well. So I just said about EV, new en uh, transformation energy, blockchain, um, biology. And I'm sure there are many other ones that are pretty mainstream. So whatever you, you, you can see that are you know, top of the screen of people's mind right now. But the biggest thing I think about these days, so I, I try really hard, try to find the underrated areas and the areas that work. So it has to be a criteria, a couple of criteria, right? One, something everybody needs. Those things are all matched, right? Solving disease, transportation, people need. A, a big, basic human need. Two, overlooked. That's very hard, actually, to find them. And I found one thing. Yeah. That's agriculture. Mm -hmm. I haven't met agriculture. Yeah, I haven't met any, well, people, we still don't have enough food for about like 22% of people on Earth, right? There's still a huge, mm -hmm. there's still a huge supply problem for enough food we have on Earth while we're talking about becoming multi-planet species and moving to Mars, right? So there's a huge contrast there. And that's mm. one. So there's a real need. Obviously, people need food. Okay. Second, okay, um, it's very overlooked. As in, I haven't met one single entrepreneur out of call. Everybody wants to be Elon, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, even including myself. Um, that's pretty mainstream. And people want to be Jeff Bezos and be all this. Or even people want to become like um, government officials and Xi Jinping or Donald Trump, whatever the case may be. Nobody wants to become a Yuan Longping or nobody wants to become agricultural, you know, innovators. Mm -hmm. So that's very, very mm -hmm. overlooked, right? I haven't met any entrepreneur say, I'm going to start making food for people uh, and, and mm -hmm. solving food problems, right? So um, I think figure out more efficient ways to grow corns, wheat, um, and, 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 and basic ingredients we need for food. And also uh, even mm -hmm. more environmentally sustainable way. How do we grow, how do we still, let's say, have beef, uh, but not producing as much um, CO2 
uh, their solution in that in terms of Beyond Meat Vegan, but you know, also how do we, the, for people still want a real meat, how do we manage that industry better in terms of you know, having a council in a certain way, I'm not an expert on this, but just saying that. And also in China, there's huge demand for pork, right? How do we raise pork mm. in a more environmental friendly way? And also supply enough pork for people who want to eat them. So I think there's many mm. pockets, it's a huge industry obviously, but I think there's many pockets that needs innovation. Whoever can figure out that, I think, uh, you know, doesn't matter how to be next trillionaire, but I think we'll be closed actually um, a company or organization that figures out that would be close to uh, where uh, Jeff Bezos was, which is number one in the world, that Elon overtook mm. after like 12 years of all those hard work and all those, um, you know, trials and tribulations, adversities, and nasty people calling him this and that, smoke a blog on podcasts, it's not okay, all that BS. Now he's number one richest person in the world and give all these people a middle finger. And that's Elon. But the next one, I think, will be people who solve problems for agriculture. Um, that's still something we need. And, and, and world population isn't going to become less, it's getting more and more. We're going to have 7 billion people soon. And so maybe in a lifetime, we're probably going to see 10 billion people on Earth. So um, I think agriculture is somewhere. I guess this is more of a call for action. I've been looking at the investment space. For, that's my which stage from Android, VC, to uh, public trade companies. But also the call for action for people who, who for like-minded people, for, for people who want to be innovators, for entrepreneurs to go out there and do it. Um, right now, to join the EV space might be, over, might be super, super hot. And the perspective return because too many people on the same boat. Um, that's where uh, I personally, by the way, I think the... Uh, um, it's, it's, it's not a, a good way to, to do certain things because everybody's rushing through that door and then the door gets thinner and thinner. Um, find somewhere that nobody's willing to travel, uh, just like Elon did 10, 12 years ago. No one thought about making EVs in 2009 when he was doing it. Mm. And uh, no one thought about selling books online in 1996 and Bezos was doing that. So um, I think this is... An, an, that's also a, that's yeah. also a, just a long-term horizon, right? They are way ahead of other people. Yes, yes. So I think... Right. They're thinking about the mm-hmm. next 20, 30 years. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. That's tough. I mean, look... Finding something that's going to be needed but overlooked, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. it's a yeah. golden question. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So personally, yeah, so Jean yeah. and I have been both been looking, she's been looking at some science stuff on agriculture as well. We're both looking at agriculture space and see how those things mm. are performing and, 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 and what we'll do in the future. And uh, oh. if there's any good opportunities, you know, oh, so, anyone heard this, let me know. You, so, okay, so do you think it's uh, it's always been a problem or do you, are there new problems you're seeing that are uh, arrived? Um, I think two things. One, enough talent, and well, human capital is capital too. So I guess the enough, there's not enough capital going into these. Um, I think that mm. again, the genomic space is very hot. Um, EV space is very hot. Energy space is very hot. So majority capital from the world, not just China, like a lot of the globe go to that, uh, which is fine. Um, but the only the, there's only a certain amount of brilliant minds that we have every year, graduates stuff like so. So if they all go to that, then I think this is the area that's lacking a little bit, or you know, versus nuclear power stuff like that. Um, it, but it's so essential. It's the number one biggest thing for people to survive, right? You need shelter and you need food and you need clean water. Um, and Bill Gates was helping to sell clean water. That's what Gates Foundation was doing. It's great. Second, I think um, because 22, 25% of, uh, around that range of the world still needs more food that doesn't have enough food, then that's one out of every four people. The fact that we're living in uh, first world countries that we don't see those people doesn't mean they don't exist, right? So um, mm-hmm. I think that's needed. And third, I think how to efficient that links with the other hot areas like the sustainable energy transformation links to climate change, right? This links to climate change, like the part I was talking about, uh, cows and beef and stuff like that. That has to do with CO2 levels, right? So um, that has to do with how do we make our home earth last longer. And that has to do with the population growth where the world is still seeing and uh, we need to feed all these people. That has to do with how can we indirectly become multi-planet species. Uh, what if that planet can't grow as much food? So this, you know, call me wishful thinking, you know, but I'm trying to think like Elon to be super long-term. Like, we have to provide food. What if that planet doesn't provide enough humanly, you know, consumable food? And then uh, we can do a lot of other things on that planet, but maybe not grow anything. And then we need to supply more. But, but you know, that planet is, uh, the human beings living in the Mars, the Mars district or Juniper district still need food. Uh, by that point, our transportation technology, let's say the SpaceX spaceships are amazing. 
it's during three hours, but we still need to carry 2% over there. So uh, how can we grow more and, uh, um, and more efficiently and in a climate uh, sensible way? That's something I've been looking to. And, and actually, um, hopefully, I don't want to review too much here, but I'm still in the working process. Hopefully by the end of the year, I want to launch sort of an effort to just to fund um, agriculture innovation um, in a climate sensible way, uh, hopefully by the end of the year, and uh, going to do some fundraising on that as well. Mm-hmm. I see, I see, I see. That's interesting. Yeah, it is an, I think, industry that especially young people don't pay enough attention to. Yeah, and the thing about capitalism right. is that, the thing about capitalism is once there's great compensation, brilliant people go do it. Like, you know, because there's Steve Gates, there's Tesla, so brilliant people out of graduating from colleges now going to electric vehicle space and going to rocket science, you know. Um, and mm. because there's AWS and, and, and brilliant people going to software engineering. So I think if, if there's a company or, or there's an industry that pays well in the agriculture field, which I really think is going to happen, um, then brilliant people is going to go, you know, there's a positive feedback loop. Then it becomes a self-reinforcing mechanism. Then it just grows and grows and grows. So uh, it's about, you know, incentives or biology. Like, you know, I'm pretty, because, because my girlfriend, I'm pretty familiar with the field. Like, used to not to be a lucrative field, but since, the, let's say, the last, like, 20, 30 years, starting from the polio vaccination to, H, you know, the uh, HIV or stuff, like, you know, there's many wealthy, mm. powerful, you know, biotech firms out there. Then they pay people well, then more brilliant minds people going there. So it's all a positive self-reinforcing mechanism, and uh, at least for capitalistic countries. And uh, um, that's, that's how I think that, that changed the shape of agriculture entirely. Mm. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah that's all right. But those three I, are my biggest convictions, though. I do think those are going to remain true. Is that number one is the world transition to a sustainable energy in the next 10, 20 years? I think it's gonna be the, the, we're still in very early innings, and the, the compounding effects can be huge. Uh, second is the uh, genomics revolution. How can we prevent disease at the get go? I think genomics. Yeah. Third is blockchain, changing how we view. Well, I think that gets a lot of attention already, right? You're talking about the top three? Yes. Well, yeah, all three. Yeah. Genomics. Right? Yes. Yeah, that gets enough attention. I think. Yeah. And third one, because it has to do with money, it always gets attention because blockchain changes the way our financial system works. You no longer have to pay your certain fee to wire transfer this to that and, you know, and have a centralized central bank and stuff like that. I think, you know, that's going to uh, naturally draw attention and very always being quite fake speak. You, you always uh, remember to speak favorably on the blockchain space, but these days I have more ambition towards it. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. Cool. So, all right, that's a good episode to start in 2021. We uh, touched on um, some good uh, predictions and the trends we are noticing for 2021. I think that's a good outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah. sure some of the, the world turn out to be correct, some of them to be wrong. There's one thing, you know, uh, we do hope that doesn't turn out to be correct, even though we both kind of <laughs> predicted it, right? Um, hopefully that's not a good <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and the other yeah. ones, uh, we could be right or could be wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah. For sure. All right. um, let's see what happens this this next year. Yeah, it's going yeah. to be uh, hopefully better, but uh, it really opened up opened it with something not so good. Yes. <laughs> so far, it hasn't been great. Yes, uh, yes, yes, exactly. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, twenty twenty one is uh, is a new year. We are we're in January. We're in January twelfth at this point. Still, still more than three hundred fifty days to go. Um, let's let's see how it goes. All right. Yeah. Happy All New right. Year, everyone. Okay. Yeah. Happy New Year. Have a good one. Talk to you guys soon. All right.